back and we're in the new studio. Hey, we got some fucking botany going on in here. We got Anthony in here. Mm-hmm. We got a special guest. We got David Slack. We got myself, Mr. Cuzzy Wuzzy Chudzy Wubzy. And I just <laughs> recently had my entire upper body landscaped, manscaped, sorry. I'm feeling smooth. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling lightweight, dude. Aerodynamic. I fucking work outside in the sun, so I've been outside in the sun since about 6 a.m. Got out of the sun at about mm, yeah, 6 p.m., so I'm fucking roasted and toasted, dude. I don't know if you guys can see this on the video, but I have a clear tan line right here. Well, and you're on my arms. Good. You look like if you jumped in a pool right now, you could just shake off and dry. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling just, I'm feeling smooth, dude. So anyways, man, you guys already know what it is, man. Um, this is the fucking last week out. This is mm-hmm. episode 22. 22. Damn, dude. Deuce, episode deuce. 22. I'm the deuce deuce. You're the deuce deuce. In the back of my car. We got a sponsor here. That's funny because I deuce deuced in the back of a car once and we talked about that a couple episodes back. You should backlog and listen. I think it's a good time. You'll enjoy it. I think you will. So yeah, we got some sponsors here, dude. You heard a nice little lo-fi banger coming from Mr. Devin Hancock, dude. And uh, that's our intro music. But also, Mr. Hancock, dude, does... A whole lot of shit with his hand and his cock, dude. <laughs> and he fucking makes beats and ed- edits videos, and he does some mixing and some mastering. And he's a fucking good, he's a fucking cute kid, dude. So check him out on Instagram. We got some dope banners, some dope artwork, dude. Mm-hmm. And that's from the one, the only, the talented Miss Sissy Art, dude. Woo. So fucking holler at her on Instagram if you want some dope shit, dude. I mean, if you're cool, you'll do it. But if you're not, then I guess you won't, and that yeah. sucks for you, it's to be choice. honest. Because here's the thing, dude. The only way your life is going to rip is if you got cool artwork in your fucking house. That's just what it is. And apparently my dad's been commenting on the videos telling me to curse less. And you know yes. what? Pops. Well, no, hey. It's not just your dad. My mom, uh, some other people, they've, mm-hmm. they've asked for a little less F-bombs. All right. We're going to do a little We're gonna do a little <laughs> less F-bombs, dude. But even though we're going to do less F-bombs, this podcast. We're dropping deuce deuce. Dude, this podcast is still going to rip my family. I'm telling you, dude. It's going to rip, dude. So, all right. We got butt out e-cigs, dude. They supply all our Ding vaping butt. needs. Good you can see butt. it right here, dude. Guess what? Last week out promo code, I got 20% off this. I actually didn't buy this here. I bought this in San Francisco last week. But if I wasn't in San Francisco in the need for uh, wow. vaping uh, equipment or mechanics, dude, I would have went to fucking buttoutecigs.com. And guess what? 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 No. Heck, what I have done, Anthony, once I got to that site. If you go on that site and you write last week out in the promo code, you're going to get 20% off your entire, the entire order. order. So Chad lost out probably on like six yeah, bucks. You could have been in San Francisco, ordered it from the website, and it would have been there the next you day. You got an extra cup of coffee with that. Easy. Hey, guess what? Don't care. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I was in the fucking gay area and I needed some fucking nicotine. So that's what I did, bro. He needed right? to suck something in the gay <laughs> I area. I needed to suck something in the gay area. That, something that tasted good. And we, we've digressed. And we have digressed once again, dude. Once again. So oh. we got a special guest and every guest is special because we're going to do a real special thing here. And he walked in the house and started saying some crazy shit. He's been saying some crazy <laughs> shit. So this thing's going to fucking rip, my guys. I'm telling you right now and that man's name is lee and i'm not sure dude you got a little bit of asian in you yeah my mom's korean oh i could feel uh, oh korean oh very very good very very good this is going to be good good podcast You got to when you do any kind of like Japanese or Korean, it's very guttural. I feel yeah. like if it's you guys very, stop, you can call me the beach. Call me the beach. I like well, 
you could do, you could do welcome to the last week of the podcast. And that's more of a Russian thing. And we're not going to really get into that. But anyways, dude, I'm going to pass it over to fucking Mr. Sir Anthony Tatum. And he's going to take the wheel from here. And you guys might actually learn something instead of me just over here saying a bunch of crazy shit. So, Lee. Yes. Thank you for coming. Chad is our hype man. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Commander Cutie. So I think that uh, I told you a little bit about what we want to do here. And pretty much the best way to always start out for us is to get to know a little bit about you. And the best way to do that is asking where you're from. Where were you born? Are you an Arizona native? I was born in a small village called Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. What, what side of town? <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was, I was born at, uh, at St. Luke's. St. Luke's Hospital? Yeah. So you are a downtown kid. Uh, well, I'm a, I don't know if I'm a kid, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a, a Phoenix native, but moved around quite a bit. Okay. Moved, moved around quite a bit through the 20s and 30s. Okay. So Arcadia, any of that or just... Uh, I mean, uh, I lived in Central. I grew up at uh, like 15th and Osborne area. So you go to Central High School? Uh, no, I t- actually, the family moved to Vegas when I was 17 with a fake ID, and that led to all sorts of fun nice. oh, nights so you, at the Glitter Gulch. Oh, I don't know anything mm. about the Glitter Vegas, Gulch. Vegas, dude, Titty City, USA, oh baby. I went oh to boy. Vegas for my first time with these guys in October of last year it was it was an experience man how uh, long were you out there well we was out i uh, graduated in las vegas in 1990 graduated high school. high school yeah okay so what did your parents do when you were growing up you got two parents were they together the entire free, time? free range parenting what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> buy him a bike and sit him on the street because we don't get home till 6 p.m Lockheed kid yeah it was it was self-governed okay did you have siblings I did. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. And are they still, did they go to Vegas with you? Your older brother? No, you were older brother was at U of A, younger brother. Uh, yeah, younger brother went. Okay. Yeah. And so your parents, though, stay together. Are they together now? No, that was my, no, my, my mom took off when I was like three and a half. Okay. So my dad had met my mom during uh, the Vietnam War. He got stationed in Korea as an MP. And he met my mom, who was a translator for the government. And uh, I guess he liked the Asian persuasion. And Well, that happened quite frequently out there. Where a bunch of men dispatched yeah. out there. You stay out there. You create connections. Hey, before we get any further into this, try to get a little bit closer to the mic when all you're talking. Right, try to, right. You can move that arm, too, and kind of do this. All right. Yeah, you want to keep it. You want to be talking in the direction of it. Because right. you're already getting into some good stuff. So all right. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss a thing. So your mom took off when you were three and a half. Is that what you said? Yeah, well, they moved over and, and uh, had my brother and had me. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, there was uh, not a foundation in their, uh, in their marriage, I suppose. They, uh, how do you put it? I think my dad thought my mom uh, married her to get over to the United States out of a war-torn country. No shit. And so it was a fear thing. And so they didn't have much of a... A foundation to build a relationship on yeah and they decided to split and so my mom took off and went to uh, san francisco actually to go to school hey, she didn't full circle she didn't yeah she didn't uh she didn't really have anything to build on so she couldn't take the kids and so that must have been really hard on her to leave you know her kids behind usually you know in american culture yeah the the, the, the woman would never separate from her kids so so i was raised pretty much by my by my uh, dad, who, who got remarried to my stepmom, who I call my mom, because I mean, since the age of really, probably five or six, she pretty much was the 
sort of the, the mom figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get yeah. that. We've had quite a few with uh, step relationships, and it sounds like if I was tracking the conversation properly, your older brother, is he from your uh, d- your dad's prior relationship? No, no, no. My older brother and myself are from All my from dad's him. first marriage. Okay. My younger brother is from my dad's second marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right. And is she Korean? Is your mom Korean? Your stepmom? No, no, no. She's... Nah. No, she's she's a vixen cool. redhead. Oh boy! Uh-oh. So is my wife, man. We got to be careful. Yeah, reds are crazy. <laughs> reds and uh, hairdressers and girls named Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any like visible arm <laughs> tattoos? I always get scared of that. No, you know no, I mean? no, no. Me on me? No, I mean on on the ladies. You oh. know what I mean? Well, that doesn't. What is that? A tattoo? I don't know. I just like I think of like the indie girls. You know what I mean? Like dyed hair. Well, that's hot. About? Yeah, it was dangerous, right? No, not at all. You can't judge a book by its cover. You were just judging a redhead by its cover. Well, but yeah, they're redheads, though. That's a different cover. Well, yeah, but that's, you know, red red up top, red below. Oh, it's a fire. So that's a fire. cover and the back of the book. Oh, yeah, you can't, you can't, don't take your green spray paint out and paint the red green, man. All right, we're going to write mean, a book after what this. If, what if it's red up top but not below? Well, then that's just dyed hair. Yeah, it's that's different, it's, David. It's Photoshop. Then listen, dude. Here's the thing, Anthony. You need to understand this, dude. Is that gingers? Yeah, have no soul. That's what I've heard that before. They're, they're born no heartbeat. Okay, they have. There's nothing going on in there. It's ice cold, dude. And then people who have a little bit of red in their beard, they're partly soulless. Okay. Like when my beard grows out, there's yeah. a little red in there. You start to. So change. you see me. If you see me in the streets, you don't know me. You go, man, that guy's got a little bit of red in his beard. I'm not going to fuck with them. You know, what's funny is I got red too. Cause my, my, my dad's side, it's Scottish. I'm not going to fuck with you. So I'm it. like, uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm <laughs> what like, is this? what was that noise? Oh, it's oh. like the, it's like the orderly for Scottish people. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, we're really doing something. Here yeah. Right now. Okay. Let's get back to it though. So you, you guys are in Phoenix. You're growing up with your stepmom. How are you as a kid? What are your ambitions? Are you a good kid? Are you a bad kid? Oh, man. No, I was, like I said, free-range parenting. I figured out at a pretty young age that uh, the folks have this window from, like, three when I get off school to six. and uh, That was the best window. Yeah, it was the best window. So right? then when they came home from work. So at a pretty young age, I was, uh, this is a funny story, <clears throat> I was uh, probably about 10 years old. And one day my, my mom, my stepmom gets a call. She's like, I want to talk to you about your, your son's behavior. And she, okay, well, what's going on? Well, my son came home and, and told me that your boy is charging people a dollar to come to your house after school and watch pornos. <laughs> I mean, this is like at the birth of pornos, right? And, and, and I had searched through my parents' closet and found their bongs and their weed and their porno. Cl- and they had it nice. all. They had deep throat and behind the green door and Marilyn Chambers and, you know, all the original hardcore porn stuff and at 10 years old i was like hey i can i can get a rake from this oh you started a little mob connection in there oh, yeah i was like i was board. entrepreneur from the from the get-go right yeah man I really and then and then pops had you know a little leather shoe box full of you know shitty ass weed with seeds in it. and you know the weed back then was just like dirt you know it was dirt Okay. I mean, it was the dirt of the dirt so when you did you smoke that stuff oh yeah of course 10 at 10 oh yeah oh yeah and oh, then you know, my man. life my yeah that my my uh you know, growing up, my dad would catch me, and it was like it was like that that keep your kids off drugs commercial. And dad's like, "Where did you learn this?" I said, "I learned it from, from you, watching dad. you, dad. I learned it from you, dad." And he'd be like, "You're grounded," and I'd be like, "Whatever, dude, you hypocrite! Like, I have no respect." This, oh, man. you know, lead by example. So, oh, dude, I, was, I got a I got a niece who's ten. Yeah, 
Oh, hide, yeah. hide your weed I, better than ant. Oh fuck. Yeah, hide your weed. Okay, so <laughs> so you're a, you're a, tr- a little hoodlum. What are you into though? Like, did you were you a sports player? Were you any of that stuff? Nah, you or know, just... I it, I was uh, I got into uh, wanting to hang out with the cool kids. This was at uh, Clarendon Middle School, I think, in Cano or Clarendon, and uh, yeah, in Cano was grade school. But by the time I got to middle school, you know, all the cool kids were all metalheads. We were all into ACDC and music and and Maiden and stuff at a really young age. So I wanted to do what the cool kids did, and uh, you know, I was more into the the dark arts of metal. Yeah, the dark arts, dude. Yeah. So I wasn't. I was never into sports. BMX, skateboarding, a lot of skateboarding. Yeah. Really, so really you, early on. Were you goth? No, I wasn't goth at all. My brother was kind of mod though, like Depeche Mode and, you know, Morrissey. And, you know, mm. I, I'm, I've never been super emo. I want to slip my wrist and listen to the Smiths or anything, but, <laughs> you know, cry yeah. my eyes out and put black eyeliner on and shit. Now I was a metalhead. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, about, uh, let's see, I, I bounced around a little bit. So, you know, I, I would get in trouble with my dad. I would get in trouble at school because of the, you know, pretty early exposure to, you know, drugs and partying and, uh-huh. and uh, trying to make a racket. And uh, I, I remember at about 12, I wanted to go live with my mom in, in uh, Seattle. So I figured that, you know, I could get away with more. Uh-huh. You know, my dad was on to me. So I was like, I moved up to Seattle when I was 12 and, and, uh, just, just you, the brother stayed. Yeah, just me. The brother, yeah, the brother stayed. I was like, hey, I'm going to go try living with my mom. I haven't tried it yet, you know. And yeah. I thought, you know, mom would be a pushover. Mom well, had, I know, I know that in five years you're going back with dad and going back to Vegas. So this yeah. didn't work out very well, right? No, I didn't even take five years. I think it took uh, two years. And uh, excuse me. Um, so basically, I get up there and I'm running amok. Yeah, you know, and I and I get into alcohol and we're bootlegging beer outside Seven <laughs> Eleven. At, you know, probably I'm 13 by this time. And Were you I'm, asking people to buy it or you're stealing it? Oh, no. We're standing outside 7-Eleven and, and asking people to go in and buy it for us. Oh, yeah. I love and, that, man. And uh, my first drunk was old E800. Oh, yeah. Pounded a 40. Threw up Malt all over liquor. myself. Oh, Malt Malt liquor. Yeah. Oh, I'm, wear, I'm wearing my Mickey rocking shirt today. Ball. Yeah. Rocking the eight ball. <laughs> yeah. We used to have Hurricane out in. 40 ounce in my lap and it's freezing my balls. <laughs> I mean, this is this is back at the time. You got to imagine, right? Like... Uh, Licensed Ill from the Beastie Boys came out, and it was like, "What the hell is this?" Oh right? yeah, this that was is a cut. Then. This is yeah, this is like crazy shit. We're like, "What is going on here?" Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we would we would bootleg booze, and you know, I'd stay at friends' houses, and we'd raid their parents' liquor stores and our liquor liquor store, you know, liquor storage, and uh, we would just get just shit face drunk on crappy beer. Uh-huh. And uh, Lucky Lager and Mickey's and you know just malt liquor and dirt whatever weed. was cheap and, and well and dirt weed too. Well, when you get to when you get to Washington, dude, the weed's a whole nother level. Though. A whole okay. nother level. And was whole your mom like level. a traditional like Korean woman? Like what was trying to be? Trying you know, to be. Yeah, and I came from a really really eclectic household, right? Like so, uh, my mom had remarried a hundred percent Mexican guy. And he had all his kids. And all his, and he was older though. So I got a what Korean a mom cultural... and a Mexican stepdad, and and I got you know step brothers and sisters that are 
you know, fully Mexican and, and, uh, so we had Korean food, ese, and we had the, Fucking we had the tortillas and going the to Korean barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, but you know, my mom didn't have any idea how to raise a rebellious, you know, teenager. Yeah. Like I was, all, I was crazy, right? All so, what I wanted to do was jump my BMX How'd bike. she try? Did she try? Did you get placed in any institutions? Anything yeah, like well, that? I mean, it, it kind of, I got into school and again, sought out the, you know, the cool kids who were, you know, doing the metal music thing and, and, uh, you know, riding bikes mm-hmm. fucking rains all the time in Seattle. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm up in school and we're, we're, you know, sneaking out of school to smoke cigarettes across the street and we're, you know, boot, you know, it's and hanging out with my friends as much as possible. And so you drinking in school. No, 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 not drinking in school. 40 ounce in my lap Before and it's school. freezing my ball. Yeah. <laughs> Ball. <laughs> uh, my ball. Surprise, Lee's got one ball. My ball. My, I'm Lance Armstrong, by the way. But props to Lance, too. It takes a yeah. lot of courage to step down from such a large corporation. It does take a lot of ball to do that. <laughs> uh, so where, where we were at was you weren't drinking in school. You're going back and forth. Institutions, really, she didn't place you. Yeah, in, it was like, a really treatment. weird situation happened. Like, uh, I remember one night we did the... I'm staying at my buddy Mark's house. He's staying at my house so uh-huh. we could go out to a house party. And I, I, we, had, we went to the house party, and, and I think somehow we got a fifth of wild turkey. I don't remember how we got it. This house party just gets out of control. This guy's parents left town. He, left, he lived in a pretty nice house, and, and, you know, he was probably expecting 50 people when about 250 showed up and just started punching holes through the wall and smashing the windows, and yeah. it just it turned into mayhem. There was fire. So like he had to call the cops. The cops come. Everybody scrambles, and you know me and my my buddy ride off on our BMX bikes, and we got this fit the wild turkey, and we're like, well, let's just hang out in this abandoned lot yeah. and drink this booze since we have it. And so we did that until we were just sick and passing out, and we wake up at four in the morning, free middle of winter. You know, freezing cold. It's raining on us. We're like, fuck this. Yeah. Let's go to, let's go back to his. We go back to his house and his mom's like, what the hell? She knows we're all fucked up. She's like, crash it out next day. So the next day she searches his room, finds a bong under his bed. Yep. Calls my mom. Mm. Never fun. He he lies his way out of it and says, it wasn't even mine. Are you sitting by the phone while she's calling your mom? No, no, no. I mean, this was a couple days later. And, and, you know, so she, she, uh, Tells my mom, my mom assumes I'm a drug addict, so she calls the school and tells them, my son's using drugs, and oh, thanks, mom. You yeah. Know? So they put me all through all that, you know. It's a psychology. fucking plant mom. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even my bong. I was like, what the fuck? It's not even my bong. Right. So she put me into this, you know, drug class, and that's what my, I think, God, I, should, I probably went to first drug counseling stuff at, at, yeah, 13 years old or something. I was in these drug groups. Mm-hmm. That's you know. where you met your connections, right? Well, and then, yeah, so you meet yeah. more people who do more shady shit. And, and I, but I figured out. So I was on piss test basically from the age of probably 13 yep. to the age of 18. They used so. to pull you out of like fourth period to do that? No, this, they were really, they were really uh, dumb about it. What do you mean? Uh, well, they didn't have like the home test kit. but you, So you would know like when you're scheduled to go each month. Okay. So I had figured out like... You well, got the st- good chemistry, figure out what no, you can I do. No, I just, you can drink a coffee cup of vinegar and it makes your ass, your piss so acidic, they yeah. can't see anything. So I smoke pot the whole time, 
you know, just getting lit visine before you go home and stuff like that, trying to not get caught. Man, that's so crazy to think that instead of not smoking weed, you'd rather just slam some vinegar. Dude, it's brutal. It is you brutal. You should try it someday. No, I drink I, I, a cup of it. leaves think, a film I'm, in your I'm mouth. Trying, that's I'm trying just to think disgusting. of the other things dude, I've I do seen shot, I do, do shots of apple cider vin, dude, all the time in the morning, dude. Yeah. That shit gets me fucking. Ugh. Ooh, it's 4 a.m. Yeah. It's time to get up. Coffee a cup. Shot different. of apple cider vin. <laughs> okay, so take me to the adulthood. When do you move out of out of mom's house? Well, that that or, shit or, doesn't work, right? It's just it's too controlling. It's mom doesn't know how to deal with me. I moved back to my my folks' house at this time. They relocated from 15th and Avenue and Osborne up to a neighborhood uh, up on the mountain preserve, um, which is ironic because it's where I live now. I bought a house in the same neighborhood. I, I kind of grew up. So when I came back, I came back at 15. Uh, I should also probably say that you know when I was up there living like. Kill 'em all had come out, and that shit changed me. I don't know what that is. Metallica, Kill 'em all. Oh, and, okay. You know, I was into Maiden and ACDC and you know Sabbath and all this stuff, but then I heard Kill 'em all, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is it. This is it. This is a game changer. Yeah, I've met a couple of guys like that, and uh, you know, so I was just super deep into metal then, and Metallica had become my thing. You know, old Metallica, and I moved back at fifteen, and uh, you know, we're in this new neighborhood, and. Uh, I'm riding down to down the hill to go to Shadow Mountain High School to, to register, and there's this dude with huge, huge fucking hair, and he's got Metallica playing. He's got literally a, a, a boombox, a ghetto blaster, bungee cord to his handlebars of his BMX bike. I'm riding my BMX bike down the hill to go to school to register, and he's got this new Metallica album. I never heard it, and I'm like, what the, what the fuck is that? And he's like, this is new Metallica, man, and I'm like. No, that's bullshit because I'm their number one fan. And if that was out, I would know. <laughs> right. And he's like, this came out today. And so I was just, you know, me and this guy just hit it off. Uh -huh. He was playing Garage Days, right? Their cover album. And uh, me and him went to school. We registered. We hit it off. I go back to his house. His mom, you know, was act actually active in, in AA, but it have a long, tumultuous history of just getting fucked up and abandoning her kids. So, you know, my buddy Jason... Uh, who's now gone and lost him to, uh, well, he shot himself in the head. Holy shit. Yeah, as a, as a, he was my best friend for years and years and years. And he, he uh, uh, it's kind of a longer story, but he had had 10 years sober, actually through the prison system got sober uh, from a crazy, crazy his story and history there. But, you know, he got out and he was sober about 10 years and, and uh, had to get a couple knee surgeries and he went back out on opiates. Oh, you know, on the, on the pain pills. Yeah. And he started picking up again and eventually lost his houses and his cars and his surfboards and, you know, his girl and his life was shit. And he ended up, uh, <clears throat> shooting himself in the face. Holy fuck. Yeah. Dude. That kind of, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's a tough story. And there's a lot of irony in that too. Cause it might, you know, at around the same age in my dad's life, my dad's best friend was a college, um, gymnast and had uh, snapped his uh, neck on the trampoline, so he was crippled his whole life. They said he never walk again, and he did with much struggle, but as his body deteriorated, he didn't want to deal with it. And, and my dad's best friend uh, actually ended up taking his life by pistol, too. About the same age that... Yeah, about the same age that we were when, when about, or, you know, about in their late 30s, late 30s. early 40s or whatever. But um, <clears throat> so... I got off subject with that. But. No, 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 it's, so, it's right, though. Like, so that was your good buddy. Back in high school. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I had met him and, and you know, he was <clears throat> the metalhead partier type. Uh -huh. And his mom was free range parenting, too. She was like, you know, we lived in this big fancy house up on the mountain preserve. And, 
you know, she's like this whole other side of the house. She's like, just have it. Don't make a mess out here. So we would just be back in his room and she would let us do whatever we want. So, you know, we got into the meth and we got into the acid and the shrooms and the pot. And it was, and this is about 15 years old. Yeah. I think the first time I was smoking meth on tinfoil was probably 15. Damn, yeah, dude. So taking Jeez. such a big hit and trying to hold it in so long that I'm passing out. And I, I actually Ooh. fell on his on his vanity in his bathroom once because I held it in so long I passed out and I, I smashed my ribs on his vanity, woke up with bruised ribs. I was like, ah, oh, why didn't you hold me up, asshole? You were like this. <laughs> okay. And, uh, same here. So sorry, mom and dad. But yeah. yes, I was doing those exact same things at 15. Yeah. So, I mean, but he had, so he had more drug connects because I had just moved back. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So he's, you know, we, we were getting some cheap dirt weed and, and uh, you know, school starts and I'm like, hey, you know, I can scratch together like hundred bucks. And, uh, I'm like, let's get a, you know, let's get an ounce. So we get an ounce and I'm like, I wrap them all up in joints. Marble, we smoked Marlboro, so We had a lot of empty Marlboro packs. So I took, I took like, you know, 50 joints to school and a couple of Marlboro packs and I'd sell them at lunch break to all the kids. And I'd be like, Oh, this is great. I can sell these shitty dirt weed joints. And, and, uh, I would re up every day until I built up more and bought a QP. And then, you know, I eventually became, I was going to be the drug czar of, uh, yeah. Shadow Mountain. Yeah. You're a hometown hero, dude. Oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, and that went well until it didn't. Yeah. We would hang out in the back alley over at Shadow Mountain and, and I guess we were getting cased. So one, one morning before school and I'm doing my distributions, I got a, you know, I got a sack of weed down my pants. Yeah. And, just working. And, and, the, and the, we take off and we're kind of driving around the block to school and, the, and all these undercover cops storm us and grab us, rip us out of the, my buddy's truck. <laughs> nice. Slam us up against the hood of the car and he reaches his hand down my crotch and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you pedophile fuck. You can't do it. I'm a kid. What are you doing? You can't grab me in the dick. Yeah, he wasn't here. And he pulls that. out this bag of weed and he, what's this? And I'm like, that's for personal use. He's like, <laughs> why is it all in eighth size baggies? Like, why are there, you know, why are there? Because I'm type A and 12? very organized. Yes, okay? I'm there's like, that's, that's medication times. That's rationed. That's, that's my ration to get me through the day of this stressful 15 year old. And existence. you know what, officer? How do you know what an eighth looks like? <laughs> yes, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm a kid and I haven't had any real, you know, but I'm a rebel and I'm, you know, I think I'm a tough guy until the cops drive me ways like you know hey you know phoenix has these laws where if you're within 300 yards of a school you're yep. selling drugs yeah it's a class three felony Damn. it's not like some possession thing did it stick well you know yeah it was like he had me like you know quivering lip and crying in the cop car oh my life's over so you know we get out and i you know you know how that stuff goes i go back home you know the parents are super pissed they had to go in front of the school board up there at shadow mountain and get just reprimanded by the whole place you know, your kid's a bad kid. Yeah. And uh, I got expelled from that school district. So I'd missed like, you know, almost a, whatever, a year of credits at high school. What were you but like a junior? I think it was a 10th. I think it was 10th grade. I think yeah, it was a sophomore. year after that. So yeah, a sophomore. So yeah, I missed almost my whole sophomore year because of that. But I got, I got, re in, uh, I got put, you know, and they put you on task and, you know, I'm going through trouble with the law and I got, you know, I got put on probation mm -hmm. and. Uh, kicked out of that school district had to go to you know uh, horizon was the next uh, closest school so i had to commute every morning ride the city bus to catch the, the you know the 
but I got to Horizon and there and everyone there was a rocker. Everyone at Shadow Mountain was like jocks, it seemed like. Okay. And everyone at Horizon was like metalheads like me and, and the chicks were like, Holy crap, what did I I just hit pay dirt? This yeah. is the greatest what are you doing, thing, you know, you pedophile fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good drop right yeah. there. Uh, yeah, so I mean it gets Horizon and I'm like, Oh my god, every chick's you know, smoking hot Scottsdale chick. Yeah, it was a win. So I yeah, I thought it was a win, but uh, Well West Scottsdale, not not like yeah, Scottsdale. David's yeah. a North Scottsdale guy. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it was a little <laughs> tough, but you know, I I, uh, I learned to play the game. Um, but you know, before we got to that point, there was uh, the you know I was still about fifteen. You know, I'm kicked out of school. I'm at home, uh, and I don't want to do shit now. I don't have to go to school, so I'm like, cool, this ain't so bad. My parents will leave this to work, you know, and and well, my dad still was smoking pot. He still had weed, but now I'm kicked out of school for selling weed. So, you know, they would take off. And, and I remember when I was in my room smoking weed one night when they got home, when he got home from work and he came in, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting stoned. I'm in my room. I'm not out roaming the streets doing it. And he didn't like that very much. He searched my room, found some stolen car stereos and some bottles of wine. <laughs> and, you know, he found some shit. He got pretty pissed. He, you know, kind of grabbed my throat and slammed me into the wall and punched me in the face pretty hard. Holy and I was like, shit. oh, well, you know, ah, oh, shit. I'm you got out. up against that dad strength right yeah. there. And I was like, well, you know, I'm out. Uh-huh. You know, deuce, deuce. Deuce is yeah. deuce, deuce. out of here. Episode deuce, deuce, deuce. And, uh, and uh, what did you tell they were bad? I jumped out the window, packed a bag. It was the middle of winter, Phoenix. Uh-huh. And, so, uh, so beautiful. 70 and nice. So no, no. The nights are bitter cold here. It was, yeah. it was bitter cold. And, and I'm like, I'm out. I was a... Uh, and I and I would just sleep on friends' floors. I remember for a week I slept in a friend's Winnebago, his dad's Winnebago, and he's like, "Be quiet!" And I was, you know, cooking top ramen in his dad's Winnebago, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'll live on the streets." No, and kidding. I did, and I did for about a month. But I would just, you know, break into a house or break back into my parents' house, or you know, and I would I would frequently break back into my parents' house and steal Holy steal liquor shit, out of their man. liquor cabinet. You're a menace. Dude. Yeah, I was. I was bad, and so uh, I remember one time there was this, there was a, a house up at up by uh, Roadrunner Park, at like Thirty uh, Sixth Street and Cactus at the Snell's house. So we used to go there and party like crazy as as young kids. And I remember I had broken into my parents' house, stolen a a, a handle of, of a half gallon of vodka, and I took it to this party and just get fucked up. Well, I'm homeless, so I get hungry. You know, I still had my bike. Yeah. I had my backpack full of my clothes or whatever I had possessions at the time. And my brother was working at the streets in New York. It's still there, I think, at uh, 32nd Street and Cactus. Okay. So he would pass me sandwiches out the back if I ever went and banged on what the door. What a good brother, at, dude. At the, you know, when they were closing, and he would pass me whatever sandwiches didn't get used. And so I was, you know, riding through the park, and uh, I run into some guys that kind of were acquaintance of, but I'm all fucked up and shooting my mouth off. And these three guys try to steal my bike. And I'm like, man, motherfucker, you ain't taking my bike. So we're fighting now. And I'm fighting with one of these dudes pretty hard. And, and uh, one, the kid pulls out a knife. Like, not like anything big, but it's like a little three or four inch blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're rolling around in the dirt and, and he's trying to stab me and I'm trying to get the knife away from him. And he keeps switching hands and I keep grabbing his other hands. And eventually he gets me. Where? He gets me right here at the top of the thigh. Just it goes in a couple inches. Oh, that could have hit a creedal right yeah, there. Yeah, so, so I, got a, you know, I got a gash that's a couple inches on my, on my, uh, on my right thigh. So I'm like, I'm homeless. I don't want my parents to catch me. So I'm, I'm wasted. I grab my bike. I get away from the dude. You know, I'm like, fuck off. And I ride off. And by the time I ride through the park and get to the, the bashes right there, or the Safeway, whatever the grocery store was on the corner, my pant leg is just covered in blood. Yeah, you're bleeding out. So I'm like, well, I got no money. I'm a runaway. I'm, I'm 
I'm shit faced to the wind. So I go in and I try to be real conspicuous and I walk in <laughs> and I grab some, I go to the, you know, the medical pharmacy, center. pharmacy area and I grab some gauze and some Neosporin, some butterfly band-aids and I'm like stuffing them in my Levi jean jacket, you know, on the one with the like fake sheepskin on the back, Oh man! you know, it had all my patches on it and shit, Metallica and you know, yeah. whatever, ACDC or whatever. And uh big fuck you on the back that I wrote with a Sharpie. Oh, that made um, me super approachable. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, I grabbed this stuff and you know, obviously by the time I, before I make the door, the security guards grabbed me. Jesus. You know, I left a bloody put, footprint through the door. Yeah, you're easy and to so track. They, they slam me in the back, and they're like, you're going to jail again. And I'm like, fuck, you know. He's like, what's your name? I'm, like, I, 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 I'm just out here on my own. You don't need my name. I wouldn't give them any information. So so event, they didn't prosecute because they felt bad for me. Yeah, no shit. I was like, look, man, I just, I, look, I don't have any money. I'm bleeding out here. I'm just trying to fix my wound, you know. And, uh, well, they called the cops. The cops came and got me. I wouldn't give them any information either. They took me to Durango, Juvie, or whatever. Yeah, and uh, eventually got me to say who I was. They got a hold of my folks somehow, and and they my, my folks let me sit in there for a few days just in kind of solitary. They said keep them in solitary, let them learn a lesson. And my pop came and picked me up, and uh, uh, you know driving home, he didn't say a word to me. I go, where are we going? He's like, we're going home, and I, and you know by the time we're halfway there, I'm like, this ain't the way home. So he actually took me to a, my first treatment center at 15. Where well, I learned, let's yeah. stop there. Hold on. We got to take a break. We're at like 30 something minutes. That's perfect. Your first treatment center. So we're going to take a quick break. After this, we're going to pick up at the treatment center and then we're going to get into some post, you know, degenerateness. Okay. Behavior. I, if there yeah, is I'm some. still 15 in this story. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Good evening, my friends. It's Commander Cutie, Mr. Chudsy Wubsy from the Last Week Out podcast, and we've got some exciting news for y'all. Over here at the Last Week Out podcast, we are produced by Slack Media LLC, and they have a special promotion going on right now. If you are a two-legged homo sapien or a millennial who just had a meaningful conversation and have the urge to put it on the internet, we're just the people for the job. We record, edit, and update and post fuck update and post what the fuck is update why did i say update you can update stuff i guess you can update stuff listen dude you want to fucking do a podcast guess what we're the ones that can do it for you we can edit mix master and produce the whole thing and we can help you figure out do you know what an rss feed is because i sure did it when i started this but because of slack media now i do so if you have a podcast and you want to get it started and you want to skip all the difficult stuff Go ahead and email slackmediallc at gmail and or you can and or fuck god damn it dude and or and or 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 you can slide in our DMs at the last week out on Instagram. Get on in there. Love you. Bye. back and we back and we back back, and we back again and if you're 
paying attention to this video, you will see that there's no longer a plant sitting right here. That's because it was never real to begin with and it is a simulation just like life itself. Nothing is real. Space is not a real thing. Uh, NASA is like fake. Matrix. Um, and flat Earth. Flat Earth. Yep. Yes. Lizards. The only thing flat earthers have to fear is sphere itself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's a fucking plant mom. It's just a fucking plant mom, okay? So please don't, don't freak out on me, all right? It's just CBD, mom, I swear. Um, all right, we're back, dude, and uh, we're, we're hearing some wild stories, dude. Lee's life ripped when he was 15, dude, and I can't even <laughs> imagine the... What, when did you eventually get sober? Oh, that took years and years and years. That was my first treatment, 15, but to move uh, a little quicker and not go through so many years of depravity, I, uh, I did bounce around a lot. I moved to Vegas, like I said before, 17 with a fake ID. That led to no good, you know, but... Uh, it was a lot of fun doing no good. Uh, and uh, I like that. <clears throat> eventually, eventually led into, you know, the, the, the meth led, leads to coke and, you know, that's cooking back, up. That's definitely cooking backwards. Up. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Cook, cooking up the and then it leads to like, I want to, you know, use some heroin like the cool kids. And, you know, we're in bands and playing out at clubs and, you know, doing the whole Vegas scene and, you know, fucking every stripper in town, just gross shit like that. But, um, at about, uh, geez, I'm probably now by my early, uh, twenties. And I decided I didn't like my job. I was working at some telemarketing company and I, I, uh, you know, I got my girlfriend at the time pregnant. She was 18 or 19. She's like, what are you doing? You know, you pedophile fuck. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so I age of consent asshole. Um, but, uh, so she gets Pragers and she's like, I'm pro pro life and we're having it. And then, you know, and I gave her the whole, you know, look, I don't want to be a dad. I'm not in love with you. I'm not going to stop chasing other girls around. I'm not done partying. You know, I'm not ready for this responsibility. Uh, I'll throw you down a flight of stairs. Oh my I'll God. Yeah, that went from honesty put, to like, yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad, right? Super, super self-centered to the, to, to the nth degree. And, uh, I ran away, you know, I, I said, well, you know, I'm strung out I'm on drugs and I hate my job. My roommates suck. And I, I had some buddies that lived in Huntington Beach that had come and stayed with me in Vegas. They're like, dude, come to Huntington Beach and, and surf. And I was like, so I went out and I visited and I spent about a week with them and <clears throat> started surfing. And, you know, because I always loved to skateboard and snowboard and uh, surfing was just, you know, the next transition. So um, I spent a week in Huntington Beach. They lived right on the PCH. They lived on 10th Street and the PCH and uh, the balcony overlooked the, the ocean. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great place. And, uh, it was, you know, 10 blocks from the pier on main street. And it was, it was, it was mayhem back in, uh, that was, uh, probably the, you know, early nineties. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I had super long hair when I went out there. Uh, I mean, down to my waist and I'd had, you know, my whole, since I was, you know, 13, I had long hair metal head. I go to Huntington beach. I start learning to surf. I sh literally shaved my head out there. I shave all my hair off. I pack my, you know, pack my, I, I go back home and I tell my roommates, I'm leaving in 30 days. I'm moving to Huntington beach because obviously being a surf bum is going to fix all my problems. Yeah. So I, I load up my shit. I tell my roommates I'm out. I pack up my truck. I drive to Huntington beach. What about the girl with the kid? I said, bye. I said, deuce, deuce, deuce. Yeah, deuce. <laughs> I said, deuces. Well, have later. you ever heard from her since? Uh, no, I told her, look, I'll, I'll be there for my kid. Cause I, I, I want to, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to marry you over this. She, she thought it was going to be a yeah, yeah. 
trapping Negro, you know, and it didn't didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so where's the kid these now? bitches are so upset. Uh, what's that? Where's the kid now? Uh, he lives in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So I got a 24 year old son, super successful, owns his own home, bought his first home at 19. I don't know how he turned out that way, but yeah. So yeah, and he's great. He's married and and doing his thing, and he's super uh, hardworking and good with money and responsible. And I, I don't know how he got it, but um, but so so I moved to Huntington Beach, and and you know back you know it's all it's I mean you just you know you meet people and you get into the party scene and the click and you're surfing and you're just and I was homeless for a couple months. In Huntington Beach too, when yeah. I got kicked out of that place because my my roommates said, "Hey, we're gonna have the carpets clean, so get all your shit off the floor." Well, I just blew them off and left the house, and they went into my room to throw all my shit into a pile. And like behind my stereo, they found just tons of empty balloons, yeah, and burnt spoons and shit. And they're like, "Dude, you gotta go. Yeah. You're a fucking drug addict." So they throw me out of that place. I'm homeless for a couple months. I didn't mind. You know, I was summer in Huntington Beach. I was sleeping in Bolsa Chica State Park. I learned the sprinkler schedule, so I knew when to roll up my sleeping bag. I was, I was like, oh, this is great. It was like camping, surfing, not paying rent, and living out of my Jetta, Volkswagen Jetta. And, uh, you know, the, just the, the drug use got more and more and more until eventually um, some stuff from the past from Vegas came and haunt me because I, I the, you know, the federal marshals came and got me one day and they were like, you have charges from this telemarketing company. You worked at in Las Vegas. So the FBI kind of has an indictment for you. So I, I go to, you know, court and they put me on pretrial services. So they're piss testing me now every week <clears throat> or is it every month? It's probably, I can't remember how too often many times, but, uh, you know, at this point I'm smoking crack and I'm smoking weed and I'm, you know, using heroin every day. So I, I can't stop. So I, I, I re- remember pulling into the, the, like the parking garage at this federal building to go take this piss test with this pretrial guy. And I'm smoking, you know, crack and heroin before I go into this thing. And I'm delusional. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe, maybe they won't know. Maybe, maybe because it's so close, they won't catch it. Yeah. 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 Well, I piss dirty every time. Uh-huh. I finally go back to Vegas to go to this arraignment hearing. And the judge is like, Hey man, you're a drug addict. And, and they're like, you're like, you're a flight risk and you're not getting out. So I go from right from there to, county i'm like aren't you gonna let me go secure my property like i've got stuff and you know by this time i had rented a room in some apartment and uh he's like no you can sit here so you know i go through this whole i go through this whole spiel i was actually you know total amount of time not all in county but i was you know sometimes in a federal halfway house i remember uh i I was in county for a period of time z85 holding tank in in downtown las vegas and the jail was so overcrowded i never got out of the holding tank for a couple of weeks yeah it was brutal and uh, so I'm kicking heroin in this in this downtown Las Vegas mm. holding tank. That's an ugly and scene. I mean, it's like one bowl. This room's made for 40 guys. There's 80 guys in this thing. There's one steel bowl in the corner, mm. and I'm I'm kicking, and I'm literally hugging this steel bowl where 40, 50 guys, 80 guys are shitting, and I'm puking yep. and shitting and diarrhea out of my ass, and and it sucked because the worst part of it was every time they would come in to restock the toilet paper the biggest black dudes in the place would go grab the toilet paper for their pillows. Yeah. So there was no toilet paper uh-huh. and it was brutal, man. If you ever want to, uh, have a, uh, truly demoralized experiencing, uh, experience, try to kick in that room. Uh, I'm gonna live vicariously through you. Yeah. Guys. So it was, it wasn't, you, a, pa- you it, paint a nice picture. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so I mean, I, they, they, they eventually released me this halfway house across the street for this federal holding a halfway house. And I get out to the halfway house and, and you know, I'm, I'm a drug addict. They're like, well, it's a halfway house. So you got to rent work to pay rent to stay. I'm like, I'm fucking going to go work to pay to be here. The court said I have to be here. But like, no, you have to. So they let me, they give me a bus token. They said, go find a job. 
So as soon as they let me out, obviously I go pick up. I'm actually a cat. Yeah, that, that was a mistake. <laughs> I, uh, I go pick up. I come back. They're like, well, "We're gonna piss test you," and I'm like, "Well, fuck. Okay, maybe they won't find it again." Well, the pretrial officer that now they transfer to for Vegas, causing you to piss dirty again. You're going back into county. I go, and I got honest. I'm 25 years old at this time, you know, and I'm under federal indictment for wire fraud uh, and money laundering. So I, I go to. Uh, I go I go to the guy's office. He says, we're going to put you back in. And I, I couldn't be in county again. I was like, so I got honest. I was like, look, man, I'm a drug addict. And if you let me out of that place, I'm going to use it. He, he got me into Salvation Army. So it's 25 years old. I went to my second treatment center. Yeah, I went to Salvation Army and I actually clicked a little bit. I got off hard drugs. I started going to NA. I started uh, spending a lot of time in the rooms of recovery. And, and it started to click with me. I started to have a you know experience. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, once those charges uh, they, they take these voice exemplars where they record your voice and they make you read a script um, because they had wiretapped this room. Oh, okay, okay. They had okay. wiretapped this room and that's where this indictment came from. And and so they they record you, they send off the tapes to Washington, D.C. FBI headquarters to have the, run through all these machines and computers and shit. And it comes back to evidence is like 0.2% chance to be me. So they, they say, well, we're gonna we're you know dropping the charges. So I was, I'm, I'm not a felon. I'm acquitted, never convicted. What did, what did you... Was that luck? Uh, well, I knew the person that was on the tape, but it wasn't when you. I heard it. But it wasn't me. Oh, so you, yeah. So, so I was just like, hey, it ain't me. So it's got to come back. You know, they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute. So that you know, I get off now. I'm you know, I'm 25. I've got 200 dollars to my name. My mom, my the back in Seattle, said that you know I could stay in the apartment under her house if oh. I worked and went to school. I could rent the apartment from her. So at the girlfriend I had at the time was from Huntington Beach, and we we. Uh, we drove back to Huntington Beach to pick her shit up, and we stayed at my tattoo artist's house. And his roommate was on house arrest for DUI, and he had about twenty cases of Budweiser stacked up in the in the kitchen. I remember this day vividly. Like he he said, you know, because I'd been sober about nine months then, and he, uh, you know, he said, "You want a beer?" And I said, "Well, well alcohol's not my problem." And I remember looking at my girlfriend, and I was like, "You, th- you think I could?" you think I should? And she's like, well, if you could handle it, those were her words. And I handled it. Like, oh yeah. Uh, and that's when I cross addicted right into alcohol. Uh-huh. And. Uh, you know, the drinking went on for years hard. But, yeah. And I wrote it hard, <laughs> but I, you know, but I, I did, I, you know, it was manageable, right? I was functioning and, and the alcoholism Less unmanageable. Had, yeah. So I, I go up to Seattle. I actually do well. I, I keep a job. I get into college. I learn. Uh, oh, okay. I learn, yeah. I learned pretty uh, good. Yeah. I learn. I learn, uh, uh, I do, uh, I get a degree in communications with an emphasis on animation and 3d design. Okay. And, uh, got a job in the games industry in Seattle back in, you know, the late nineties. No kidding. Yeah. And I was a artist, moved up to lead artist and art director in what the games? video games industry. Like uh, Mortal, Mortal on, Kombat and stuff. Uh, that, no, that like, era? uh, they were PC games, uh, oh, dungeon okay. siege for Microsoft and uh, gas powered games. And then I went to arena net and made uh, guild wars no kidding. with arena, big MM, uh, MMO games. Uh, and then I went to Nintendo and worked on the, uh, some Mario franchise stuff and Metroid franchise stuff. Oh, that's nice. sick. And I actually, when the, when the, uh, I was never really good at keeping my mouth shut and I got caught up in the political game at Nintendo cause I got a really big chip on my shoulder. Cause I realized if you weren't, you know, Japanese, you're only going so far in that company. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, got, got into some political stuff and when the economy tanked, they were like, hey, let's cut these mid six figure guys. So I got kind of in this layoff wrap. And so, I, you know, in the worst economy in U.S. history, I, I you know, I, I don't have any money. I don't have any income. So I got offered a job to start a studio down here back in, in, in Chandler, actually. 
so I came down and did the interviews and then they offered me the job and I was like, well, screw it. You know, I'm from Phoenix. I know Phoenix. I got family here. I got, I love, you know, at the time I loved the golf. So, uh, came back and, uh, what year was this? Oh, seven. Uh, this was Oh nine. Oh nine. Oh yeah. Oh nine or Oh 10. A little into the recession. Yeah. And I had met a girl, uh, three years into, uh, uh, you know, my recovery and, okay. and we hit it off and she was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, but you know, uh, I wasn't at a, an emotional maturity level where I could maintain that relationship, even though I was three years sober and doing my best to live a spiritual life. You know, you spend that many years, you know, using drugs and alcohol at the level that I did that you, uh, takes a while to heal. Well, you just stunt your emotional growth, right? You, you're, uh, you can't pick and choose the things you want to blot out. You want to blot out the pain and the, you know, the, the, you know, the abandonment stuff and all of the fucked up shit that you've done and, and, you know, that's happened to you. But when you're drinking and using, you do, you just numb out everything. That's heavy. So, shit. so I, so I'd really stunted my emotional maturing, Yeah. you know, and now I'm, you know, at my age now I'm, I'm actually going through the process of therapy and going through and, uh, paying a professional and working through, uh, stuff that I probably should have dealt with years ago. Yeah, and, and it's bringing a lot of stuff to light, you know, but you know, I was in this marriage and this girl supported me and we moved down together and I had this new job and she had, uh, gotten a, uh, I helped her get a job through the connections of the fellowship of, uh, AA. I introduced her to some people I knew and she got a job at uh, solar city, which is now Tesla oh, in their, fuck. in their solar, in their solar program. And, uh, you know, the company that I moved down here to help start the studio ended up, the, the investors closed it down two and a half, three years later. Yeah. So I was out of a job again. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how making video games were. It's always project by project. I mean, every job I ever had, I, you know, built, uh, I, I entered into a place at entry level built up to, you know, a lead level or, you know, whatever. And then the, you know, I'd get laid off or fired or whatever. I mean, I've been laid off or fired from every job I've ever had working for the man. Yep. Um, but you know, she got this break into the solar industry that she was trying to get into renewable resources. Mm -hmm. And so when I lost that job, she, um, she had, uh, were you guys still together? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. We were, we were still, she okay. moved from Seattle with me. I met okay. her in Seattle and she, we moved down here so I could support us and, you know, do this thing. And, and, uh, at the time that I got down here, um, I was just looking to rent us a house, but I realized the houses were cheaper because the economy had tanked. Mm -hmm. The houses were cheaper to buy than they were to rent. So I just bought us a house and we moved to Tempe. Um, and, uh, when that job that I had had folded, um, you know, I said, Hey, we can, I can find another job. But we might have to move again to California or Boston or wherever the hell I could get work. Uh, or I said, or we can stay here and, um, you can take a chance at your career. And we decided to do that yep. so she could have a chance to get her career off the ground. And so I, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do, but at the time I had promised her before we got married, um, that I would quit smoking. I use a pack and a half day Newport smoker actually. Hey. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, promised her I wouldn't, and I quit using one of those old ego style e-cigs that my uh, uncle actually gave me. No kidding. And, and, and it worked. 16 B's. Yeah. Pens, I mean, it was right? yeah, the pen style ones and it actually worked. And, uh, and, and I, and I vaped this thing and, and I got up and I was, this is like 2010. Yeah. You know, 2011, something like that. And I was like, oh my God, this thing. And cause I had tried to quit smoking a bunch of times, Shantix and you know, whatever other bullshit, but Badges, I never, I always yeah. went back. I always went back. So this actually worked. I stayed off cigarettes. I was like, this is the wave of the future. And you know, through my career in making games, I had saved about, you know, hundred, $150,000. And I, uh, I just said, you know, I'm gonna start a vape business. 
Yeah. They weren't even, it wasn't even called vape then. It was e-cigs. And I started back in 2012. I launched a, a vape business, Synergy Vapor Labs, and it, it, uh, it just went gangbusters. Yeah, no kidding. Where, where'd the name Synergy come from? Oh, I don't know. I was just making shit up. I needed, I needed a cool <laughs> well, that I was cool. Shit up. I just literally was just, what would be a cool word and have a cool acronym, you know? And, and Vapor Lab sounded pretty cool. So Synergy being like, you know, hey, you're juicing your gear working together or some bullshit. I don't know. But it worked and we had a cool <laughs> logo made. And, and uh, you know, so... Uh, the company did gangbusters did really well. It's still going today. Yeah. You know, it's the market's really saturated and it's way more competitive now. So it's harder to make a living that way. But, uh, I did really well with it and, you know, just smart with the money and, you know, investing and buying rentals and stuff like that. So that's what you're doing now. Uh, yeah. I mean, now it's, it's, uh, I had a dream when I started it and I did so well in the first, you know, four or five years that, that, uh, I want, like my dream was to retire young and golf every day. And uh, the funny thing is, is, be careful what you wish for because you might get it. And now I'm in a place where I, you know, I don't necessarily have to go to work to pay bills. Yeah. But now it's like a, you know, it's like there's almost, I'm looking for my next thing because there's almost too much time on the hands. What the fuck, dude? You told us these crazy fucking stories about being a wild kid. Yeah. Now you're talking about early retirement and fucking yeah. golfing. And, hey, you know what? I don't yeah. really need to go to work to pay the bills. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I'm a little bored right now. Yeah, you know, just, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's it's one of those things. But it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, amazing things. I mean, I've been sober 15 years now, right? So it's not like I haven't had my share of bad beats. And most of the heartbreak that I've experienced has been through you know, being, being in sobriety, being in recovery, because now I can't, you know, the, the struggles that I still have in my life today are relationships because of this stunted emotional maturing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I play I poker with Lee a lot. He gets really upset with bad beats. Yeah. Like they just bug oh, him all night. So, so I mean, you know, at the end of the day, look, anything can happen if right. you're willing to work hard for it. And if you, if you're staying, you know, if you're staying clean, like generally God's going to open some good doors doesn't matter who you are it you know it takes some ambition it takes some intelligence i'm not the sharpest tool in the shed but i'm not the dullest either yeah um and and it takes a little bit of you know pushing through some fear especially when it comes to putting a whole bunch of money on the line but you know generally i think things are going to work out you know for anybody who wants to put in the hard work things are going to work out well and it sounds like you got the the financial thing figured out at least to me like kind of listening to you and then what you're talking about is you're not too risk adverse and i and i can kind of correlate that to kind of how you were brought up and the things that you've been through and things like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't peg you as being risk averse, but then when you're talking about the relationships and things like that, what are you doing? You said you're going to therapy right now and working on those things. Yeah. So the, so the basically, um, I made a few critical mistakes in that marriage and she was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And she came from a great family and she was just a wonderful person. But I had treated like most things in my life as accomplishments. Yeah. So I want to become a lead artist at Nintendo or I'm going to, you know what I mean? I accomplish that and then I fuck it off. Right. I, this is a story of my life, right? I accomplished this great thing and then I fuck it off. You know, the big book AA talks about like, we can build up these great structures and pull them down on our heads. Right. right? Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to people. And that's pretty much my story in or out of recovery. I still kind of have that tendency that I haven't figured out why that, why I do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we were married about four and a half years and, and, uh, she had taken a trip to Nepal. It was like a kind of philanthropy. She was putting solar systems on schools after the earthquake and stuff for solar city. And she came back and she was acting a little different. And I, and I asked her, you know, and I, and I'm still very much in love with her. We'd been together nine years and mm-hmm. I was happy in the marriage and, um, she was acting a little weird. And I, I thought she was going to say, I want to have a baby. And she said, I won't be in this marriage anymore. And it just blindsided me. I couldn't see it coming. No shit. Yeah. And so that, that marriage terminated really quickly. Uh, and she went off to go, you know, 
find her happy. You guys work on on trying to no, keep there, it alive. No, there or? was never. Uh, I didn't get a chance really. No, um, she had made a decision. Yeah, she had made a decision, and it was kind of unilateral. And she moved on. She had to do what she had to do for her own happiness. And so, you know, it's difficult to get to a place of acceptance about that. No shit. And uh, you guys have kids together? No, we didn't. We didn't have any kids. Okay. Um, she wanted kids. I was like, kind of, eh, I've kind of had one and you know, I don't really want to do that again. And I should have been, you know, again, I was kind of selfish and I, I treated the marriage as almost like an accomplishment too, right? Yeah. I kind of achieved marriage and then I compartmentalized it and put it on a shelf. And then I went off to focus on my the next business, trophy, my business, or, you know, I wanted to be in a golf club and get really good at golf. So I golfed every day and, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, so I, I kind of wasn't paying attention to the relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> and so she, she said, deuces, <laughs> deuces. Well, let me ask you and, this. Uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> what are you first? Like if I was like, Lee, I, I hear you. It's like, you crushed it, man. You crush it. A lot of us, like me, David, Chad, us sitting in here right now, it's like, I put a lot of emphasis on my work right now. I'm trying to create that financial stability, right? Uh, but first thing I am... I think, you know, I'm a husband right now. Obviously, I'm trying to be a good man, good character, trying to help people in the community. For you, what are you first? Like, what do you, when you think of yourself, what are you first? Oh, that's a really good question. If I think about that today, um, <clears throat> so where I've always struggled the most is, is relationships and especially relationships with women, right? Mm -hmm. I have a good heart and I come from a good family and I've figured out, you know, how to live a sober life and be a good person out in the world. And I, and I still work with others and go to meetings every week and, and, and do all that stuff as far as the recovery community is concerned. But, um, you know, I know that I'm in a, in a place now where I'm trying to, to, to exponentially grow on an emotional maturity level. Mm. I'm trying to get to a point with inner peace in myself. And, you know, cause a lot of that shit, why we use and we run away and like all of the behaviors of the past is like, I just never felt worthy. Yeah. You know, I could accomplish great things, but there was still a black hole inside, mm. you know, and then it never could be filled up. <clears throat> and so, you know, trying to come to understand myself better, trying to really get to a place in my life where, where I love who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's never been something that I've had. What do the actions look like <clears throat> to do that? Well, I mean, I go to a daily yoga practice. Okay. I, you know, I read the book. I work with other people okay. as far as like, you know, in the recovery community. What stuff. does dating look like? I'm not doing any of it really. Are you intentionally not doing any of it? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much intentional. I would say it's more happenstance. So the therapist that I'm seeing is great. It's really weird to experience because I've been in a lot of therapy. Right. From the age of 10 to whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, this is the first therapist I've ever worked with that's kind of, she's from New York. She's super in your face. Her bullshit meter is through the roof. She cannot blow smoke up this lady's ass. Yeah. And she just calls she how she, see, you know, how she sees it. And that's really helpful for me because I'm a very direct communicator. And I don't, if you try to sugarcoat shit, I just won't get the point. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, you know, I went through that because I went through it. I met a girl after the divorce and after about a year and a half of, I thought I had healed that I, you know, I totally fell for, but you know, she ended up being kind of had her own, um, uh, you know, unhealed traumas yep. from her past. Uh -huh. And, uh, I think we were both kind of broken and it wasn't ever going to work, but I got kind of attached to it, you know, cause I, I built up a fantasy of this is what I want. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. So I kind of maybe fell in love with this fantasy of who this person was Yeah, fuck. and, and, you know, push comes to head and, and you know, I, I got kind of treated poorly in that relationship a few times until I said, look, I have too much self-respect to remain in this anymore. And so that kind of terminated. And that's what kind of led to me going into therapy again to see like, Hey, well, how do I end up in these situations? Yeah. Cause there were red flags along the way with this girl, but you know, I, I wanted to paint them green. 
I was like, I'm so into her. Like, I don't, you know, yeah, I, we're going to try and she'll change or that. I'll change her. She's not really that way. Yeah, or, and you're you kind of overcompensating for the last thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but it's hard to figure out, right? It's hard yeah. to figure out because at the end of the day, like and I'm in the best financial place of my life, the best, you know, physical shape of my life, the best mental space of my life. But yet I still can't make a relationship work. So it kind of leaves you scratching your head. Mm-hmm. So I'm not perfect by any means. And, and on the surface, everything may seem good, but there's still a lot of that you know, the difference between whole and whole, yeah, right? Okay. The H-W-L-E, right? Yeah. So I'm just working on the H-W-L-E part. Yeah. I want to be really happy with who I am as a person. So then I can be, you know, that person in someone else's life. And if somebody was feeling like if they were connecting to what you were saying right now, where would you tell them to start? It's an inside job, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't get it. I don't have a recipe for this shit. Uh-huh. I keep telling my therapist about the fucking blue pill. I can intellectualize. I can intellectualize all this stuff with relationships that we talk about in these, you know, in this, in these closed sessions. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I just don't understand. Well, the thing is, though, you can be 100% healthy and you can still have a relationship that doesn't work. It doesn't just because a relationship doesn't work doesn't mean that it's your fault or it's anyone's fault. Well, yeah, totally true. But we tend to find a way that we can blame ourselves for it because, or at least I do, because then it, it gives me the illusion that it was something that was in my control, right? Yeah. So, you know, just like my mom taking off when I was three and a half, you know, I want to blame myself for it because that's something I control. If I would have done this different, if I would have done that different, you know, that was your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Totally my fault. I I suckled that titty too hard and bit, bit the nipple off and she just wasn't having it anymore. Hey dude, you're a Um, fucking wild kid, bro. I'm telling you right now, dude, you just blew my mind in this fucking second half. Cause I judged the fuck out of you earlier. I was like, this dude's fucking wild. He's immature as fuck. But now you're dropping this, like you're saying these things right now that I, on a very deep and personal level relate with currently in my situation that I'm in right now. And I just want to thank you, dude. We're at an hour. Um, We're going to cut it off, dude. And I am so, I didn't want to be here. You know, <laughs> I'm tired, yeah. but you came in, man, and you were transparent and you were honest and it was fucking beautiful, man. And I just well, want to thank you yeah. for that, dude. And like one, one quick thing, dude, is like, like what are, what are three truths about yourself right now? How do you look at yourself right now? Give me three truths about yourself. I'm putting you on the spot. No, that is on the spot. On the fucking cooker. Dude. Really? I think that the, the, the daily focus is find that fire inside again. Yeah. Okay. Which basically in my professional life means what's my next thing. I got to get going is, uh, don't move too fast. Don't move too fast. Don't move too fast. And that just means when I meet someone, I'm, this is a, this is a new thing for me. Right. Okay. So like I'm trying to get to know a woman before I go to bed with her, which is totally like the therapist I'm talking to her about it. And I'm like, she's like, why don't you get to know him first before you fuck him? And I'm like, well, you're saying put yourself in the friend zone. Yeah. And, and she's like, yeah, get to know him as friends. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. I've been trying to avoid the friend zone my whole fucking life. Like I get the concept, but are you like, really? She's like, yes, that's when you're going to find something meaningful and deep and real. That's when you're going to have a connection. And I'm like, God, this is something I really haven't tried. So, so it's, it's don't move too fast and purpose. Yeah. But the harder one, right. And this is some super fluffy Brene Brown shit, really pander it up. But this is like really, because I I have this armor on sometimes with, especially with females that I don't want to let them in. So it's really trying to just allow myself to be vulnerable and lean into it, even though I know I could get hurt Yeah. to at least allow myself to have that experience and just have the emotional maturity that if something doesn't go my way, 
that, Hey, I can accept it and move on to the next thing and be happy that I got the chance to have that experience. Yeah. I'll tell you what, dude, your first, the first half. And I mean, we're getting to know you, you know, I hadn't met you. He was only 15 through the first half. Well, yeah. I mean, well, what yeah. I'm saying though, even the way you present, like <laughs> yeah. I, the, you deflect, you're a humor guy. And our last guest was the same way. Humor guy, real funny. But I'll tell you what, I like this guy a lot. You know, you're sitting down the inside is fucking huge. You know what I mean? Just to listen to you and, and everything you've been through because, you know, it holds weight, man. It yeah. holds fucking weight when you've been through and you're trying to figure out how to put together a, a strong relationship, even though it's not like you're unsuccessful at a lot of things. Yeah. I know? mean, but, you know, the material shit is just material shit. It doesn't fix anything inside. And yeah, I've learned that. 100. People fucking chase it, though, man. People fucking chase it and can't put it together. And some of us, you know, can fall into beautiful relationships. Yeah, I'd have given all that shit away to save my marriage. Yeah. But I was just wasn't I wasn't in space. She was way more mature. She was advanced in an emotional maturity way that I just I wasn't even on the same level. I was she was she was in Wrigley Field and I was trying to hit the ball off a T-ball stand. You know uh -huh. what I mean? So, you know, so so I mean, the point is like, I, you know, probably the most important thing is the most important thing to me right now is trying to really exponentially grow in an emotional maturity level. Second stage recovery. Right. Because I, I mean, I don't have that many years left to keep getting trapped in the same you know, fuck the hot, you know, cause what, what we all want, right. Mm -hmm. Is we want a healthy relationship and a deep commitment, but we want the toxic relationship sex. Yeah. And that's the thing that I always get. <laughs> there you that, go. That's where I always get hung up. All on. right. We're going to start over. We're going to start here and we're just going to run it all the way. No, that's perfect, man. That's true. Yeah. You know, the lust, trying to balance the lust and the health all at once. Dude. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, that's, it's just, it's, it's a primal thing. Ooh. And I've always, I've always probably, uh, misprioritized what what i want as a man right because yeah. what i really want if i take away the bullshit is is a deep connection with with someone who just loves me unconditionally and accepts me right that's what we all want is is human beings okay but you 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 have to sprinkle in this yeah this lust this primal need thing yeah that biological we want to get weird dude. we want to get weird Fuck yeah, monkey <laughs> shit <bro. laughs> i want to get weird <laughs> you know, it's bad. And I take it to dark places. You know, if someone says, Hey, I'm a pretty open in the bedroom. I'm like, Oh, let's hit fascinations. I got a couple hundred bucks on me right now. We're going to get fucking weird. Well, I appreciate um, it, man. I fucking <laughs> appreciate it. We're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to have you come on when you're, if you're hitting some like big strides in this stuff, you have a new breakthrough, you come back over here and we'll sit you back down and we'll start right out <laughs> where we left off, dude. I'm open to it. I hope even if you decompensate, you just yeah. come back and we'll talk about that. Damn, dude, again, thank you very, very you much it, to our listeners, to our loyal members of the matriarchy. This was the last week out episode. Deuce, deuce. Deuce, deuce. Deuce, deuce. deuce. Don't deuce, forget to deuce. like, subscribe, comment, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, yeah. all the platforms. Is this mic working? Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound... I can't hear it, so that's weird. We love Check, you guys. Hey, 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 turn my shits up. Turn yeah, my hey, shits up. Hey, more, hey, more bass. <laughs> more bass in the bomb, bro. I can't hear right, my shits. Hey, I can't my shits, dog. Hey, I love you guys. Yeah. Peace. See you next week. Later. Deuces. Deuce, deuces. Deuce, deuces.